Matthew 10, verses 26 to 33. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that is not that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the rooftops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both body, soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before man, I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you here this morning. I know it's a cold morning today. I hope you are bundled up. But more than anything else, I hope that as we continue to worship this morning, as we hear God's word, that uh, the Lord is ministering to your heart above all else, that you are recognizing that our God is king, that you are recognizing that in all things, uh, God is at work for your good and for his glory. I pray that as we continue to worship, that you would see your brothers and sisters as simply fellow travelers on our way to heaven, and that together we are battling sin, that we are eager to see our God magnified and glorified, that together we weep, and together we rejoice in all things. So my prayer this morning for all of you, for all of us as a church, is that God would continue to unite us and that Jesus himself would be that rallying banner by which we walk with him and walk with one another. Today's message is about God's providence. Today's message is about how God still acts in our world today. We learned a couple of weeks ago that there was a distinction between the creator and creation. God is wholly other. God resides and lives in eternity. And God, by his own decision, through the Son and the Spirit, decided to create the world that we live in now. But God himself is not a part of this creation, but he's wholly distinct from it. Now, the question arises because many people who grew up with the Christian culture or the Judeo-Christian culture will believe in the God that created all things. But the next question that follows is simply this. How active is God involved in the affairs of people? How active is God in creation today? Albert Einstein had a famous quote, and the famous quote was simply, God does not play dice. In other words, God did not leave anything in creation to chance. 
he put together the physical laws that we have. And not only the physical laws, but sort of the laws of humanity as well. And Einstein was very influential during that time because he was proposing or echoing a theology that was pretty common, a theology that we call deism, that God himself created all things, but God is wholly distant still. He made this world, and he simply allows the laws of nature and the laws of humanity to simply work out. He's an observer who has created this world, an observer who is trying to see how humanity will deal with the creation around him. Now, Scripture has a very different story. In fact, deism itself is, is not biblical at all. We do not believe that God is not involved in the affairs of humanity. But we believe that God is intensely involved in the affairs of people. And in so doing, we see that God himself is actively living in our midst, doing all things for his glory and his glory alone. There are three things that I want to talk about today. The first is that God is active in setting up kings, and God is active in deposing kings. In other words, God is the one who sets up governments, and God is the one who, well, tears down governments. The second is that God is active in the affairs of people, whether through nature or whether through their actions. God is active in the affairs of people. And thirdly and lastly is God is active in the affairs of his children and those who believe in him. So let's get around to the first point. God is active in setting up governments and in tearing down governments. Daniel chapter 2, 21. Daniel says to the people, listen, God is the one who set up this king, Nebuchadnezzar. And he set Nebuchadnezzar up in order to judge Israel. God set up this king, gave him all power in order to judge his own people, to, to take them into exile. We see all through Scripture, especially the Old Testament, how God will set up kings and he will depose kings. Saul was the first king of Israel, but Saul was not pleasing to God. So what did God do? God deposed Saul, and God set up David to be his king. And we see later, as the kings of, of Israel changed from one king to the next, to the next, that it was God's mighty hand that was in charge of putting new kings into their position. We see that God, at the very least, is involved 
in all political affairs. And he does so for his glory. And he does so with a purpose that to us today, living in the 21st century, oftentimes looks mysterious to us. But we have hope in knowing that God's hand is in all things. It is not as if God said, let the governments of this world go at it. And I will just stand back and whatever happens, happens. If things go well, things go well. But if things go go towards a downturn, well, so be it. But in God's providence, God himself sustains all governments in order for governments to rule the people and to rule the people with mercy and justice, we hope. And so the hope for us today, living in our world, is that God has providentially set up the government that we have in the states today. God has providentially given us more knowledge of how government works in our country and in other countries as well today. And with more knowledge that we have about what happens in the affairs of people, oftentimes we go into the darkness of a pit and we feel hopeless in all things because we see the depravity of all people. And in fact, our news today People like to talk more about depravity than they'd like to talk about hope, especially in politics. But our hope is where? Our hope is that that God is actively, actively involved in the affairs of politics. So whoever our president may be today, whoever our senators and congresspeople and judges may be today. We know that God himself has set them up. And we know that God himself is looking upon them to rule with justice and mercy. And even though we as people might think, Oh my goodness, someone's going to get away with something. We know that God in the end will judge them according to his laws and according to his mercy. Our hope is not in government. Our prayers are for our people in government. But our hope is only in God and God himself. God has a purpose for everything that is happening. Now, if we go back to the Old Testament and Scripture itself, we see that the purpose of governments is for the church. Think about that. Why did God raise certain kings and depose the certain kings? In order to show his, his mercy or his judgment on the nation of Israel. Why did certain kings rise up? And certain kings not rise up during the time of judges 
and during the time of First and Second Kings, the monarchy. It was to show, again, God's favor or God's judgment. Why is it that God allowed uh, the rulers to, to judge Jesus and to deem him, well, worthy of, of the death penalty? God raised up certain leaders in order to fulfill what he needed to fulfill for the church and for his glory. If anything, we as God's people, when we look at providentially what is happening in the governments today, we must look at the church and ask the question, what is God teaching the church today? What is God teaching you today? When you see the governments around you, where do we need to be more faithful to the Lord? Where do we need to repent more towards the Lord? Has the church itself been able to be that light on the hill, showing people that salvation and redemption comes only through Jesus himself? And so, brothers and sisters, God did not leave the governments up to their own devices. God did not somehow say, hey, governments, I'm not going to touch you. You do what you want. No. They will all answer to God himself. For God himself is the one who set them up. And God will be the one who deposes them as well. Second point of God's providence is that God's providence is involved in the affairs of people, in all people. Now, if we look at the word providence, we see the word provide in there. And if we look scripturally about what the word provide means, is the word provide means, well, if you go even to the English, there's a word vision there and provision. And in the Hebrew, what we see when we see when we when we hear that God provides is that God sees. In other words, God sees the needs of creation. God sees all that um, all that is happening around him. And because of God's character, he has the power and the ability to do something about what he sees. He can provide. Scripture teaches us is that God provides for all of creation and that he is actively involved in providing. Not only in the natural laws that he's given us, we know that gravity works and that gravity is important or else we'd all be floating in space. We know that friction is important or else we couldn't walk from one place to another. Uh, we know even the natural laws of humanity is important. Uh, we see that in Proverbs itself. We, we understand that if a person lives in such a way that is honest, that they will garner the praise of people. They will garner fruit. But we know that if you live in such a way that is lying and cheating, that there will be consequences to that. Uh, we, we all understand that there's a, a way that we need to live life today. There's a sort of a, a natural law of humanity that if we follow, we will 
most likely prosper, that if we don't follow, we will most likely not prosper in many different ways. Now, God has not only set up these natural laws around us in providing for God's people, but unlike Einstein or the deist who think that that is all that God has done for us, Scripture teaches us that God is actively involved in the affairs of people, not just kings. He is the one who causes the rain to fall on both the good and the bad. He is the one who hardens people's hearts towards him, but he's also the one who opens people's hearts toward him as well. He is the one who orchestrates the things of this world so that certain people are born and live in certain places. In fact, God has orchestrated all such things that we are who we are today and where we are today. And this is the praise of his glory. For we know, as it says in John, that every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. And this is not only about salvation, but this is about all of creation that God has given to you and to me. There is no chance. There is no chance in creation. There is no chance. God has given us the life that we have and has provided for us everything that we possess today. One of the joys of, of knowing this is knowing that I do not have to be um, overly obsessed about making right choices about everything in life. I do not have to be obsessed when there are choices, three or four choices about the which job to take or which grad school or college to go to or what job should I um, um, look to, to, to change to in the future. God knows what is best for you. And God often will bless whatever it is that you are led to do. God's providence, his hand is there to make sure that you will go the road that God wants you to go to. There's peace in knowing that. There are no, in the true sense of, in the true sense for us as Christians, there is no, there is no sense of making, there's no such thing as making a wrong choice and choosing between good things. God is there for us. Another way that you can see providence is simply the people that God has placed around you. I hope you rejoice in not only the church, but I hope you rejoice in simply the people who God has placed, uh, friends, uh, co-workers, and you strike up a friendship and you strike up a relationship that's, that's sweet. Those friendships, those people that God's placed around you, it's not out of chance. It's not because you have a good eye and you know who to make good friends with. But providentially, 
One day you were eating lunch with them and you became friends. One day you struck up a conversation and you became friends. These relationships that God has given to you are given by God himself. And so we are thankful to God. All of creation needs to be thankful for God for providing all these things. God provides for the sparrow. God provides for you and you alone. God is not inactive in the affairs of people. God is totally active in all of our lives. Thirdly and lastly, God is active in the life of the believer, in the life of the church. We know that as God's people, that there's an overlap between our salvation and, and providence itself. There's an overlap in the sense that God has orchestrated all things in our lives so that there is a point in time where God reveals to us the spirit that lives in us. That point in time where we can confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Salvifically, we, we all have basically the same story. We understand that we have sinned against God's holy laws, that our desire is to know God, that we know that we deserve punishment, but that Jesus has saved us. That's the same for all of us. But it's the providential aspect of it that makes all our stories a little bit different of how we came to know the Lord, of how God orchestrated the people around us, about which passages in the Bible and His holy word impacted our lives, about what church and what people have influenced and helped us to understand the fullness of the gospel. That's God's providential work within the framework of the gospel. And we know that God works for us in Romans 8, verse 28. He says that, and we, say, uh, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That everything that happens in the life of the believer today, we know is not for judgment anymore because we are saved in Christ. But everything that happens in our lives is for our good. And I want you to hear that. This is a hope that the world does not have, that we need to weep for, for those who do not know the Lord. At this moment, everything that happens in their lives, apart from Christ, will work out for their demise. We need to weep. But for you who know Jesus, everything that providentially happens in your life is for your good. There is nothing that has happened in your life that is simply by chance 
simply a random occurrence, something without meaning. But everything happened so that you may know the grace of our Lord. And so whether you are wealthy or poor, according to the measure of this world, whether you are married or single, another measure of this world, whether you have power and status or not, again, another measure of this world, wherever God has placed you, God has done so, so that you may see his grace and his mercy in all things. God is active in the life of the believer. Now, God accomplished this, not simply on the cross itself. When Jesus came, we understand that he, he died and he, and he raised, rose again from the dead. That at that point, those who, at that juncture, he, he, he accomplished what salvation required, a sacrifice. And that those who believed in that sacrifice would, would come to know Jesus and have salvation. But we know that the story doesn't end in just his death and his resurrection. That the story continues in, in Jesus' ascension into heaven. And that when he sends the Holy Spirit down to you and to me, that the Holy Spirit that lives in us is God's providential grace that continues to lead us towards him. God is active in our lives. God is active through the Holy Spirit that lives in you and me. For us as Christians, providence providence, and gospel living go hand in hand. Everything that we do is for our good and his glory. There is no work is work is one thing for pro, in, in terms of God's providence. My inner faith is another thing in terms of the gospel. All things together, God's providence, God's grace, God's spirit that works in you is for his glory and for your good. I pray that you'd be encouraged today. God is active in your life. God is active in this world. He does so for his glory. And he does so for your good. Trust in the God who is ever present in your life. Let us trust in the God and worship him who does all things, all things for the glory of his name. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are not a God who is far off, simply observing his creation, but that you are a God who is active. But we thank you even more that you are a merciful and a loving God that you sent your son Jesus and that for all of all of those people all of us who believe 
we know, Lord, that your grace and your mercy belong to us. And that there is nothing that happens in our lives without your permission, without your activity. And Lord, so we come to you in thankfulness for everything that you've given to us. And we ask of you to help us to be good stewards of all these things. That we, that we may be counted as your children. That the world may see that we belong to you. And in so doing that some people, in seeing and hearing the gospel from us, may also come to know you as well. We thank you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.